Previously on Film Cult. I was thinking last night, like, what if they all get it? What if I made it too easy and here we are and I got it? Once again, no one guesses the correct movie for the code word. This week, it's Nick's turn. Will anybody get his code word correct? This week is war. W-A-R. War. Oh. <laughs> oh. Just to give a couple clues, it'll uh, come out between 2013 and 2018, and the lead of the movie has one sexiest man alive, and this lead has also been featured in a Marvel movie. And what will the guys think of the Lovebirds? Plus, their top 10 of the decade. All that and more on this episode of Film Code. short today but we are gonna make it work uh we are doing our first night episode uh i am not alone my name is phoenix cloud and i'm here with two very special uh co-hosts of mine uh first off he is the double g himself get up for mr nathan pig nathan go ahead and introduce yourself sir hey everyone thanks for listening tuning into episode three uh, whether this is your first episode or you've been with us all along we want to thank you for joining us and hope you're uh having a good time just listening to us talk about film. You can get involved too by sharing your opinions. First thing you can do is follow us over on Twitter at Film Code Pod. We do a lot of things where we try to interact with our fans. Feel free to DM us, feel free to tweet at us, or just interact with our tweets and talk about our movies. That's an easy way to get shouted out here on this podcast or get some of your questions answered, stuff like that. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at NathanPig5. Uh, my name is spelled with two G's on the end, so that's P-I-G-G. You can also find my letterbox at Nathan Pig. Feel free to interact with me there as well. And also joining us today, uh, if his sound equipment is working and we can hear him perfectly clear, give it up for Nick Spain. What's going on, Nick? How's it going? Great to be here. Everybody, super excited to be back for the third episode. I just can say that if this is your first episode, thanks for joining along. We have a lot of fun here. And if this is your third episode, you know how much fun we have here. <laughs> this is my first week doing the code words, so I'm super excited to hear what Nathan Phoenix guesses are. Won't hear Jeremy's today, but hopefully hear his sometime later on. Nobody has gotten the film code movie correct. So far, so maybe if you're playing along, or if these two guys can guess it right this week, hopefully I'm not the first person to to get guessed. So you can 
you can find me on on my letterbox at Nick Spain. And Nathan's pretty confident in my in his guest, so I'm I'm looking forward to to that segment of the show. And so should you. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Nathan put in a lot of work on on his research for this code word. I'm so proud of it. Uh, this will be you. fun. I hope he's wrong too, like I was mm-hmm. last week. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, before we get into all of that, we got a stacked show. Uh, first off, we want to talk. Uh, we're doing two movie reviews for this episode. This this loaded third episode. Uh, two Netflix movies, I believe. Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. They were both on Netflix. Two high-profile yep, two Netflix, Netflix movies. movies. Yeah, two high-profile Netflix movies. Starred some pretty famous people. And uh, we're going to... We didn't decide which one we we're going to start with. So, what? Flip a Love coin. Birds. We doing Lovebirds? All right. Yep. So, The Lovebirds stars Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, they are a couple uh, on the brink of breakup, and they are caught in the middle of a what do we call that? Uh, 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 hit and run. Hit and run. Yes, thank you. <laughs> caught in the middle of a hit and run, and they look guilty, so they have to clear their names. And what happens is a wacky, <laughs> wacky comedy for two hours, and. Uh, I just, I'm so excited to hear you guys' take on this movie. Uh, I will be the odd man out. I already know it. So, uh, Nathan, please kick us off. What did you think of The Lovebirds? I was going to say, there's always an odd man out when we do this show, and that's okay. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. It's usually you, Phoenix, but that's okay. Um, So, I want to compare this real quick before, I know we're actually reviewing The Lovebirds, but I want to make a comparison real quick. So, uh, last year, I believe, either 20, I think it was 2019, Netflix made its own original movie called Murder Mystery. It starred Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. That movie really, really upset me and like made me angry because, yes, being a comedy, you're allowed to bend the rules a little bit, but not go so far to bend the rules. What they did in Murder Mystery is like they'd be getting shot at and they'd be making dick jokes. No, you're getting shot at. You're, this is not the time for joking. Come on, add some realistic aspect to that. And I feel like the Lovebirds did the exact same thing, only on a slightly less level. My main relatable point to that is when they're sitting in the theater, you know, during the orgy scene, which was a thousand percent unnecessary. Um, when they're sitting in the theater in the orgy scene, they clearly know that they are not supposed to be there. They know that they're intruders into this environment. Yet, their Issa Rae is dancing while the music comes on, and they're talking back and forth at each other really loud, and they are, like, visibly being extremely distracting. And I'm sorry, like, I know that you can bend the rules in the comedy – I know it's supposed to be funny. I know sometimes dumb comedy is funny, but I refuse to believe anyone is that stupid. I'm sorry. I refuse to believe that they know that they are in this as bad of a situation as they were in as much as they were going into this weird orgy room with a bunch of masked people. They had no idea what to expect. They were just acting like the biggest dumbasses on the planet. Uh, yeah, 
that your um, thoughts and words is quite clear. Do you think they're gonna call more numbers? This is spontaneous. This is not spontaneous. I bet all these people had it on their Google account. And to me, that's not funny when you take all the logic out of it. I refuse to believe anyone's that stupid. That's just one little scene in a movie that is filled with problems. I'll get into that more, but but I'd like to pass it over to Nick. Yeah, I I, I feel bad. I'm I mean, I feel like on this podcast we've we've trounced a lot of movies. <laughs> um you know, in the in the first section here, I don't think there's gonna be one positive thing to come out of my mouth, sadly, about both of these movies. Um, you know, just looking at the the filmography of of Kamal, I'm not even gonna try and pronounce his last name. Nanjiani. Nanjiani. He's been in the Big Sick. He's been in Central Intelligence. He's now been in Lovebirds. He's been in Stuber. Can he do anything else other than playing a comedy? He's turning into Ryan Reynolds on us, except with rom-coms. <laughs> but I couldn't agree more with Nathan with the whole bending the rules for a comedy. The, I've, you know, and Phoenix, you tried to watch Emma. Emma is a movie that I hated the main character, and I don't think I've ever hated main characters as much as these two. They were just so obnoxious. Like, everything they said... It had to be an argument. Like, they couldn't have a regular conversation the whole entire movie. It had to be, everything had to be an argument. Even when some guy had a gun to somebody's head and he, she was trying to shoot him. Like, it had to be an argument. Everything had to be an argument. I just, honestly, I wanted to turn off. I was watching this with my girlfriend and she's usually like the, uh, and Nathan knows this. She's usually the, the less of a critic she enjoys the cheesy and the cliche aspects of films and you know she kind of overlooks that which is which is perfectly okay but you know going into this I thought she was gonna somewhat like it but we both hated it she was like turn this off I don't even want to watch this anymore and if I wouldn't have been watching it for this I probably wouldn't have kept watching and I want it to be known that I, I gave this a fair chance. I'm sure Nick did as well. Like yep. we don't go into these films unless it's a Ryan Reynolds film. I don't go into any <laughs> film wanting to dislike it. I want it to do well. I want to mm -hmm. be enjoyed. I want to be that one person or one of few people that's like, look, it has bad ratings, but I enjoyed it. And to be honest with you, like I thought the first 10 minutes was fine. Like, sure. Mm -hmm. They're arguing while she's getting dressed. They're arguing about, um, you know, just basic life. And even following, following their story of them falling in love, I thought was fine. It wasn't anything great, but it was good. Um, but that first opening scene when they're fighting before they um, eventually go get in the car and then that leads down the rabbit hole, that scene just went on for so long. And I think that that is... Um, exactly what this movie was all about. Scenes go on for so much longer than they need to because they're trying to get those corny jokes in. They're trying to, you know, make the audience laugh. And it just goes on for so long. You're like, look, there's nothing relevant going on in this scene. And like Nick just pointed out, they're just bickering. We get it. They bicker all the time. Move on. Like, it's, it's almost as if they sat down, they wrote the script, and they're like, we only have 60 minutes of content we need you guys to, to debate a little more so we can get 20 more minutes of content in. 
because every scene it was like what why is this still going on move on please but until they're involved in the hit and run um i didn't think it was too bad but unfortunately it just continued to go downhill after that point yeah all right so i think both of you guys hit uh the nail on the head with the the central problem of this movie was its screenplay uh it it was it was very much a throwaway screenplay that they gave Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani and said, "You guys have to fill in like half of this. Like, like if you want these roles, you guys got to fill in the other half of this screenplay with just comedy. Because whoever wrote it was like, yeah, comedy not my strong suit, but we got we hired two comedians, so let them do it." Because uh, much of it feels improv, and improv can be, you know, fine, but it seems like, like Nick said, they go towards the same tropes over and over again. So there's the bickering, there's like the playing on the same old jokes over and over again. And yeah, like all of that, I think that is the core problem with this movie. It just wasn't written as a comedy and no one no one cared to actually invest in that aspect of the film except for its two lead actors and they do their best they 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 tried i guess uh with all that said i enjoyed this movie <laughs> i i actually i actually liked it i had a good time with it uh it's it's popcorn fun that's the only way i can describe it is it's the kind of movie where if I'm cleaning the house or I'm about to go to sleep, you know, or I like, I need to pass like an hour and a half and I just want to laugh at something stupid. Uh, that's, that might be the, that might be the movie I watch. Uh, it is, I don't think it's like, I own a lot of really like silly comedies, things like that. Like I'll purchase some movies like that. I don't think I'd purchase this one. I like, this is a catch it when I catch it kind of a movie. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think I'd purchase it. What, what's up, Nick? I'd like to backtrack for like 30 seconds. Did uh -huh. you just say you'd put it on when you were falling asleep? So you, yeah, would, intru <laughs> you would entrust it to putting you to sleep? Yes. Oh, okay. I watch, I think, I watch a lot of movies. I think movies. that's very reflective on how this yeah. film is. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll fall asleep to a lot of movies, actually. That's, that's kind of <laughs> how I watch, watch um, it. No, but I, I want to comment on a couple things you said. Um, First off, Kumal Nanjiani and Issa Rae are both producers of this film. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of producers of this film, way more than a 86-minute Netflix movie should have. But regardless, they both were producers. Um, I know a lot of actors that star in movies are producers as well, but that shouldn't be overlooked. They definitely had a hand in, in what was being shot and the decisions going in. So definitely right on that. Um, I also want to say it was very refreshing to see a diverse acting cast in this film. Um, we talk a lot about the limited options there are for actors and actresses of diverse backgrounds. And it was just really nice to see a full cast of, you know, people getting their first roles or, you know, I haven't seen Issa Rae in anything, but it was nice to see her in this. I'd like to see her more in the future. It was just real nice and real refreshing, especially with 
you know, everything going on in the world right now at the time of us recording this, it was great to see the diversity that was this cast. And uh, um, I really enjoyed that. But I don't think there was any bad acting. Like as much as Nick and I have slandered this movie, I don't have a problem with how Kumal Nanjiani acted. I don't have a problem with how Issa Rae acted. I don't think they're the problem. I think it's just overall, it's a bad story. It's bad writing. It's absolutely horrible dialogue. It's not on them. It's yeah. all on the story. And I would yeah. like to see pretty much everyone in this film. Well, no, just mostly our, our main two leads. I'd like to see more of them in the future for sure. Uh, I want to make it known that this was an awful film in my opinion, but I didn't hate anything that the cast did. And uh, I also want to say, like, before coronavirus hit, uh, this movie was scheduled to uh, appear in theaters. Uh, and, uh, like, I I feel like the reason that I, I at least like it more than most people is the fact that it was a streaming movie. Like, it's not one that I had to pay, you know, 11 bucks for. So, like, that that probably added to why I enjoyed it because I can honestly say if I if I had like gotten up, gotten dressed, caught a bus, headed out to a, a movie theater and spent money on on either a ticket or on popcorn to see this movie, I would have been wholly frustrated. I'll like, I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, if we saw this in the theater, I would have left. I'm sorry, yeah. like I, I would have. There's uh, two times that I've come extremely close to leaving the theater. I've never left the theater. Uh, both times was with Nick. Bad um, Astra. We saw Bad Astra, Sad Astra um, with Brad Pitt last year. <laughs> that is, that is <laughs> along with The Last Jedi, one of the most split films of all time. Um, I was with Nick and my girlfriend and I had asked my girlfriend to come and she really didn't want to, but she sucked it up and came and I would feel really bad if I was like, oh, yeah, you know, you didn't want to come to this, but let's leave. Um, <laughs> so we decided to stick through Sad Astra, and it ended up being very bad Astra. Um, uh, and then with Birds of Prey, I know that's a very hot take. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. But Nick and I had a group of buddies go see that. There was five or six of us. Um, and I told them in the car after I said, like, if it was just Nick and I or if it was just me, uh, I would have left, guys. I'm sorry. And I know that's a hot take. <laughs> But um, swinging back to Lovebirds, if we saw this in theaters, yeah. I would have left. Yeah. Um, being able to sit on my couch and being able to look on my phone, being able to pause and go to the bathroom and mentally be like, I got 30 minutes left. Let's do this. <laughs> um, was very helpful because if this was in a theater, I would have been like, I can't believe I paid for this. Let's let's leave. Yeah. yeah. Well, one star for me. I got it. Yeah. I, if, if I had seen this in theaters, I definitely would have walked out because as much as I love Issa Rae, I've seen her in two other movies in the past year and a half, and both were really, really bad. And uh, so there's uh, the movie Little. I don't know if y'all heard of Little with Regina Hall, who's also a fantastic actress. But uh, yeah, that movie was a snooze fest. And the photograph, which recently came out with Lakeith Stanfield, uh, that movie was a bore and a half. It was so annoyingly bad. I almost, almost walked out of that. So if I if I had seen this in theaters, there's no there's no doubt in my mind I would have left. Uh, but uh, like I said, you know, for good popcorn fun, I I actually found a lot of the humor 
it landed okay with me. I, I'm okay with, like, you know, there weren't a lot. I don't think there were a lot of dick jokes in this. But the orgy scene that, like, Nathan brought up, uh, I thought that I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Uh, yes, like, was it, like, plainly stupid and, like, definitely, like, just nonsensical? Yeah, totally. But I don't know. They, they made me laugh, so I was okay with it. Not even. Uh, as I mean, at least, at least the thing with the orgy scene is like, it was a rated R film. There were a lot of f bombs. There were people stripping, having an orgy. They kind of the, foreshadowed they, it. They <laughs> kind of foreshadowed it. But the thing, the icing on the top of the cake, which I was so happy about, and I know Nathan's probably going to say the same thing after I say this, is that it wasn't like, bam, in your face, like porn orgy. It was <laughs> yeah. like a. It was like blurred and like chopped so that you didn't see too much. And I was like, "Thank you. I'm watching with this with my girlfriend. I don't need to be seeing all that right now. She don't need to be seeing all that right now. <laughs> Thanks for for not showing air." They're in the interrogation room, and the the detective was like, "Oh yeah, you're not in trouble. You're not even a suspect. We had the dash cam." And then yeah. <laughs> and then they were just talking about. <laughs> Ah, the- roll through stop signs almost every day of my life, <laughs> but not in a dangerous way. I used to sell uh, my uncle's edibles. He was always like, it's legal in Amsterdam. He could not point to Amsterdam. She did not sell them in Amsterdam. She did sell them over here. But to help people get high. Glaucoma. And, yes, like she did make some money at a time when we did need some We money. needed to pay some bills. Um, they are just like talking about literally everything. <laughs> like, Oh, I sold those weed brownies. Right. Oh, I, I ran over somebody like three weeks ago. Like, <laughs> shut up, shut up. That's that's where it goes too far. Yeah, too far. Again, Nathan didn't even hear any of that. He gone. Yeah, again, that's just uh, they left a lot of pages blank in that screenplay. It's just like, Sweet. you know, screw Some- it. You guys got it. You Some, didn't even have to hear that, Nathan. You already knew what I was going to say. <laughs> Some for for those of you listening on audio, I just got up and left. Like I, for a minute, I can't. Like this, the, Nick just got me laughing too hard at how bad that was. Um, I thought you'd be more positive, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, like I said, I still enjoyed it with all the flaws. I I enjoyed it. I like I like Issa Rae. I like Kumail Nanjiani. Like they make me laugh. And it and it's a comedy, you know what I'm saying? Like for me, like if no one's winning anything, okay? Like no one's winning anything here. Not not I mean, the makeup designers, like not anyone who did hair costumes. No one on the script, obviously. Like no one's winning anything. So like, I mean, you never me, know with 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 this year, somebody nah, might win nah, something. Nah, nah, they ain't winning shit. <laughs> like if they win anything, they're winning razzies and they're taking them all. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Like, but like for me, because because the movie is like that, like okay, like ten minutes in, I I can set my expectations. Like this is not gonna be better than you know your typical C movie. Like okay, with that, I just gotta say, does it succeed as a C movie? And if it doesn't fail, then it's okay. And like for me, the humor landed in enough in enough places i i got a kick out of it i enjoyed uh the the back and forth between our main characters even though like much of it was just 
plotless and, and like like it was it was bad it was bad there's no getting around it but they made me laugh so i enjoyed it i would not i would not purchase it uh and unless it's on somewhere where i'm at that's probably going to be the only time i watch it again final score phoenix what are you giving it ooh uh we going out of 5 or out of 10 out of uh, the five star scale slash a letter grade it gets a D minus. Uh, I would sit it at about two stars. Okay, Nick. Um, I think it's either a D or D minus one star for me. It might be worse than Emma, which is uh, which wow. is, mm-hmm. an, which is a uh, an understatement to say the least. For me, it's a D plus. That's a one star on my scale. Um, I've seen a lot of people say this film is obviously flawed, but it's still a fun date night film. You and your significant other can watch this and have a good laugh. It's nowhere near that. The two guys I'm with now are shaking their heads. I'm glad we can all agree that it's at least not that. Um, With that said, boys, let's move on to Extraction. Another Netflix original that came out, I think, about a month ago. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. It stars Chris Hemsworth. And this is another one of those films. It is, well, it's directed by Sam Hargrave. And it's another one of those films that's produced by the Russo brothers. And for those of you listening on audio, I am doing air quotes when I say produced because it's one of those films where the Russos throw their name on the movie for one of their Avengers buddies to yeah. get it to be hyped up. The same thing happened to 21 Bridges when we saw 21 Bridges and Chadwick Boseman. Whoa, Chadwick Boseman and the Russo brothers? Yeah. Oh my God, that looks incredible. The movie was absolute shit. Yeah, movie Um, was ass. (laughs) This is the exact same way where the Russo brothers threw their name on there and really had nothing to do with it. Um, You can pull up every article you want. I'm sorry, you're not going to change my mind. They did this for their friend, Chris Hemsworth, trying to get himself a, a popular movie outside of uh, the Avengers and the MCU. So um, the story is about Tyler Rake, who's a mercenary, goes in and tries to save a kid from a city, which is trying to keep the kid in the city uh, for hostage purposes. And it's just an action movie, pure action. If you're looking for a story, you're not going to get it. And uh, I'm going to pass it over to Nick to start us off with thoughts. You perfectly segued into my biggest complaint of this movie. The kid is in the city. They're trying to stop the kid from getting out of the city. You're telling me that you're going to shut down a major city with millions of millions of people and wage war on a city for some kid. For some kid. Let that sink in that somebody thought that this was a good idea for a film for some drug lord to shut down his whole entire city, to burn it, to destroy it, to wage war on his citizens, 
and the people that depend on him and no, it just it's not gonna happen. So that's that's first and foremost my biggest complaint of the movie. Um, Chris Hemsworth, like uh, our other two actors that we were talking about in our last movie, I think he did all that he could, but I don't think there was anything for him to work with. It was just like Nathan said, a terrible scriptless, storyless action film. Done. Phoenix. Oh, no. What'd you think? Uh, I am gonna uh, have to disagree with you both. Uh, this movie kicked ass. <laughs> this In the movie kicked again. ass. I'm yeah. sorry. I fucking loved it. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> uh, like, okay. So first off, again, within the first few minutes of a movie, we can see exactly where this is gonna go. Like. You know what I'm saying? Again, I'm not expecting any, any, you know, glamorous awards for it or anything, but like, to me, Extraction is the best video game, live action, first shooter movie I've ever seen. <laughs> like, some high praise. Take, take that, take that concept and just put it in a video game. That's Extraction. Like, Extraction is you know, a, a gangster's call of duty. Like, that's all it is. And it's the, you, look, man, these fight scenes, man, mwah, they were so, they were so good. Come on. These fight scenes were impressive. Uh, violent, super violent. Uh, like, gross, gross violence. So many, like, terrible, like, vicious choreography. He literally, I think he broke someone's neck with another dude's legs. It was, it's vicious. Like, oh God, it was awful. It was great. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. The thing that really does kind of hold the film back in, in all seriousness, though, other than the fight scenes, is they had this idea of setting up Chris, Chris Hemsworth and this kid's relationship throughout mm-hmm. this film. And they had some interactions in the beginning and it was like a good start to the relationship building. And then all of a sudden like click, like they're super close. They're super like, you know, this is, you know, my best friend, he's saving me whole shebang. And, and while I'm fine with that, you need like a point B to get from A to C. And I just would have, would have liked to seen that more. And, and for Netflix to totally throw away, you know, David, Hopper, I don't remember, no, Harbor? In David there. Harbor, yeah. Yeah, I almost said Hopper, like, like Stranger Things. <laughs> but for them to completely throw away his character just to create some plot point, that's, that's, that's no, no bueno for me. I think... Nathan, he, you're itching it, to get him. I think you guys <laughs> said a lot of things I agree with, except for Phoenix's <laughs> praise. Um, look, it does some action scenes very well, for sure. Um, here's my thing for me, you can't just give me action without me knowing what it's for. Like I, I gotta have a reason. It's just brainless action. And I, I don't want to compare films too much, but like, I'm not a fan of fast eight. I'm not a fan of kill bill. Those are 
and pair that with extraction all three are films that just throw as much action at you as possible as much whoa as possible without giving you any real story or any grounded story and that's just not me like if that's you that's great if that's you if you love all those films that i just said or you can take absolutely brainless action let me just zone out and watch what i want to watch and not have to think about it that's perfectly fine there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but for me that does not work and i can't stand those films what i want to watch is something that i can buy into what they're doing why are you driving a truck into someone else why are you punching out four guys why are you actually trying to rescue this kid from the city like i have to be bought into why all that's happening before I can enjoy the movie. And yes, some of the action scenes were good. They were. The guy that directed this, I believe, was a stunt coordinator or some type of coordinator on Endgame, on a couple big projects. Um, So I would expect the action scenes to be pretty good, but I can't do brainless action. I I just can't. Phoenix, go ahead. Uh, I do want to say, like, uh, two two things. So, yet you're. I I normally would agree with you on the brainless action. I I would, but here, I don't think a story is necessary. And because the only thing that's important is, you have this character who's a mercenary, right? He's given a job. The only thing that matters at that point is the job, right? So. I'm all in. Like, okay, like they can get along. They don't have to get along. It would have been, I would have preferred it if they hated each other up until like the last minute. That would have been great. But like, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't need their relationship dynamics. None of it mattered. None of it mattered to me. All I cared for was violence. And this movie delivered on some incredible violence. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, one thing that I want to say is that if this wasn't Chris Hemsworth in the lead, if mm-hmm. it wasn't any A-lister, if it was Joe Schmo, no one would watch this. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Sure. <laughs> I can't really knock it for saying that because part of a movie's lore is getting great actors to make it appeal to you. I'm pretty sure almost every a-lister has starred in an ass film that if they didn't start it no one would watch it i'm pretty sure everyone's done that so i can't really knock chris hemsworth for doing this but like what redeeming qualities does this have outside of chris hemsworth being in it for you to be drawn in i mean it, he it, jumped off a cliff in the beginning until like school. chris he- chris hemsworth is the only reason anyone would ever start listening to anything remotely involved with this movie before they see it. <laughs> like, if I told you there was a movie called Extraction, and it was a somewhat war movie, rescue movie, similar to Taken, but it starred no one you'd ever heard of, would you watch it? Like, maybe for us as the diehard film fans we are, trying to watch some 2020 releases in a year where there are no big releases right now. Maybe we'd find our way around to it. I know I watched some pretty obscure Netflix movies, but look, if this didn't have Chris Hemsworth, if this didn't have Chris Hemsworth, no one would watch this. And 
it'd be easy to say after watching it, yeah, it had some great action scenes. Oh, I, I actually liked the relationship they had with the kid. I don't think the story is that bad. Like, it's easy to say that after, but you wouldn't have clicked on it before if Chris yes. Hemsworth was not in this. And that's a large part, too, to the Russos just blindly throwing their name on it. I'm telling you right now, I don't remember who I said this to. I think I said it to our other roommate, Nick. Um, yeah. I think I said, like, the next thing that is not a non-MCU movie that says produced by the Russo <laughs> brothers, I will automatically expect it to be shit. I will. <laughs> After the disaster that was 21 Bridges and this just brainless action movie, they've lost all credibility for anything not MCU in my mind. They have. Well, I don't. I don't know. I like. I definitely. I didn't even know that they were producers on it until the end credits. They uh, were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like. Yeah. Well, I didn't know their name was on it until the end credit. But uh, yeah. You're like. I think. Them producing certain movies, like these movies, you're right. These movies would not get made if the Russo's name wasn't on it, and and obviously if they didn't have a wealth of. MCU stars to like, you know, carry them through. And uh, you're 100% right. If Chris Hemsworth was not uh, the lead in this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a, without a doubt, I would not have watched it. Without a doubt. And I think that should be taken into consideration. So for me, even though I enjoyed it, like I, I enjoyed the shit out of this. Like I really had a lot of fun with it. Like, I, I like first person shooters are my favorite video game anyway. So to see a movie sort of like that, just it was just a bit more of a fun experience. But uh, I think factoring in the fact that there's no real strong story and no one would see this without Chris Hemsworth, it's I feel like you can you can enjoy it, but at the end of the day, you know pretty much it's it's. Mm, hanging around like the middle of the road of 2020 so far uh final score nick what do you got well i'll say i'll say one last thing and, and i'll get the final score i think it'd be be an interesting little segment to do on a on a future show about stars stars who have played in the roles of famous or good franchises and then either flopped or succeeded after like rupert grint well, where's he? You know, Emma Watson, He, she had a great career after the Harry Potter series. Um, so I feel like that'd be something interesting to talk about is, is franchise actors slash actresses, where they are and how successful. But I give it two stars. It's either a C or C. C. No, I think it's a C minus. Phoenix? Uh... I'm gonna I'm gonna sit it with two and a half stars. Uh, it's definitely a C. It's a C film, uh, but I can watch it again. Like again, I like I like gratuitous violence. I'm sorry, I do. <laughs> you, the, the difference you're... the difference between Nathan and I when we talk, we're like, oh, we hated this movie. This was terrible. Oh, it's two stars. Phoenix is like, <laughs> this is fantastic. I loved it. Two and a half. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 really confusing me because you say you were like I love the shit out of this. Yeah. Like, you, like but how is that two and a half stars in in your rating oh, system? Okay, I should I should explain. So yes, please. My yeah. my rating system is like this. It I take my feelings and I and I also take 
everyone else's feelings into consideration. So when I rate a movie, I'm I'm like, I know I enjoyed this, but I also know that like, if if ever I was invited to a movie party and people were like, just come and bring a movie, I'm not bringing this movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's like it's like I know. I know pretty much my circle of friends and this is not going to fly well. So like, that's where I'm at with it, where it's like, it's like, yeah, I may have enjoyed it. I enjoy a lot of movies that I rate very lowly. I, I own a lot of movies that I rate very lowly, but uh, I just, I, I dig a lot of really shitty movies. That's just me. <laughs> so, so if you, if you rated Parasite like a half star, then, then it'd be like a three star in your mind because everybody else loves it. <laughs> something like that like if like if if i like it and everyone likes it i'm probably probably closer to to the mainstream on that like i yeah i wouldn't so, just give it a low score so for me i gave this a two star that's a c on uh my rating scale and look when when you consider Nick and I's grading scale at least I know Phoenix just explained his when you consider Nick and I's grading scale you can't look at it as school too many people when they read my reviews or Nick reviews and they see like C minus or C they're like well that's still a passing grade you can't <laughs> you can't think of this like school okay anything below a B minus on our scale is bad mm. so if I give a C minus yeah. something that means it's awful for me to give this movie a c that was bad so this movie is bad and a c is two stars for me that's not passing stop thinking of it like school please um <laughs> yeah otherwise it it'd be like film. it'd be like a plus a a minus b b plus all like five yeah. stars and then yeah. it'd be like f four yeah. stars through one star <laughs> exactly exactly so it's a c that's pretty bad and uh that's our thoughts on extraction all right. Yeah, and hope, hopefully one day we can we can talk about a movie where we actually like it and not and not just trash movies. We we liked we liked uh we liked uh Tiger King, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Some of, yeah, yeah. Some of us together. some of us like the Dark Knight. Oh yeah, yeah, it's just True. some of you. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. Anyway, so oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> please Before don't we... please don't click off i i feel you guys clicking <laughs> off please stop we don't condone these actions what's good what's good what's good what's good what's good what's good so we got to get into our recommendations. So, uh, Nick, you mentioned that you uh, definitely had a movie that you were thinking of earlier. So what's uh, something you would recommend? Yes. So this was a movie that I actually saw on TikTok. Um, somebody was, was recommend. I know. I know those faces. Um, somebody was, was recommending this movie, and it's called The Hate You Give with... Mm the U as just the the letter to um, have thug as an acronym. It kind of plays into some Tupac lyrics there. Um, This is a great movie Um, with everything going on with, you know, protests 
and, you know, George Floyd and, you know, racism in, in America and worldwide, this, this film is the, 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 the peak of this whole genre. It is the story of a girl who doesn't live in the best area that goes to a mostly all-white private Catholic school who witnesses her best friend or not best friend, but her childhood best friend get shot unarmed by a white police officer um, and just everything that goes into that and growing up African-American in the United States. It's, it has some good name actors. It's, it's a powerful movie. It left me speechless and, you know, Nathan and I can, can never understand what it's like to live that, that life. And I think it kind of shows a little peek into how, you know, that kind of lifestyle is. So if, if you're out there and you're looking for a film to kind of wrap your head around everything that's going on right now, I definitely recommend The Hate You Give. I've only caught the last 20 minutes of that movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I got to check it out because like, uh, like, you're right. That, that movie's come up a few times uh, since over the past few weeks about, uh, you know, just uh, looking into the situation, the global situation going on right now. Uh, Nathan, so what would you recommend? So I've officially made the switch of streaming platforms. Um, I have been on Hulu for a while. I obviously have Netflix, um, but I'd been on Hulu for a while. But since Hulu decided to move like all of their good content to Disney Plus, I decided to axe Hulu um, and pick up Apple TV. So a few things have been really buzzing on Apple TV. I know we uh, we're just talking about defending Jacob. That's something that I think I'm going to check out here soon. But the um, golden thing on Apple TV right now, the thing that they're marketing so much. Uh, do you do you guys know what it is? No. Mm, I might have an idea. If you say it, I might know it. The thing, the main thing that Apple TV is promoting is the morning show. It yeah, is a it, yeah. show that stars Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell. It is not about, but has references to the Matt Lauer scandal over at NBC. So it's not completely about that story, but it definitely is inspired by, has references to that story. And like Nick just talked about, you know, a very um, prevalent subject in the world right now with with racism in his film. Um, the morning show is all about sexual harassment in the workplace and, you know, sexual assault, uh, misappropriations, stuff like that. So, um, you know, very scary stuff as well. And definitely something that as adults, you should check out. It's not a movie, it's a show, but uh, Apple TV is $4.99 a month. That's pretty cheap. They're hour long episodes. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm watching this with my family right now. It's kind of hard to find something that my entire family enjoys all together, but we've loved this so far. So the morning show is definitely one to check out from me. Nice. And uh, since uh, you got Apple TV, I'm gonna need you know your account information. You know, just <laughs> uh, I, I need to see Defending Jacob. It looks it looks very interesting, and I'll definitely start. 
on the morning show because I didn't know much of uh, much about it. Um, so, uh, like like Nick, I was thinking about the global situation going on right now, and I was trying to find uh, a movie I felt that uh, would best reflect the times, but also would be more. Uh, I I want to say hopeful, but like. If you've seen this movie, I don't. You're kind of split on whether it's hopeful or not. Um, but if you're looking for a movie that is just one of the most stunning pieces of cinema, I can I can argue, and I I would say uh, it's a damn shame that it was not nominated for best picture. Uh, that is uh, Barry Jenkins' If Bill Street Could Talk, uh, his James Baldwin adaptation. This movie is so goddamn pretty. It's just so pretty. And uh, and then great performances, Stephen James, Brian Tyree Henry, Regina King, who is sensational in this movie, 100% deserving of her uh, Best Supporting Actress Award. Um, and I, honest to God, I've not seen a movie with a better score than this. The score on this movie is, oh, Nicholas Bertel is amazing. So like one, it just, it's gorgeous looking, great acting, beautiful atmosphere, an incredible script. I mean, it's James Baldwin. And then on top of that, you have a score that just is, is, is perfect. Um, yeah, it was, it was one of my favorite movies of, uh, what was that, 2018, 2019? I'm not 2019. even sure. 2019. It was one of, one of my favorite movies of that year is, like, you know, sometimes the best ones, they don't make it into the conversation, but that was definitely one I, I would recommend that everybody check out. If Beale Street could talk, Barry Jenkins, uh, second film. So, yeah, I know that's one that Nick and I have been talking about getting yeah. to. There's, you know, for everyone, there's those films that you're like, oh, I really want to watch that, but you just, it's forever till you get around to, um, that's one that Nick and I have been talking about for a long while, and it, it's really interesting that you brought that up. So glad to hear you loved it. Oh, so yeah, definitely. Especially that score. I, uh, I'll drink that score tomorrow. <laughs> what's good? What's good? What's good? All right. So I guess it's time to get into our big discussion, even though we're kind of at a loss here <laughs> without Jeremy. Uh, so this week we wanted to, this is our first list, I guess, that we were doing here on Film Code. Uh, and we were listing the best top 10 movies of the past decade. Uh, 2010 to 2019 has featured some of the best movies, I think, of my lifetime. So, uh, I'm I, like this was an impossible list for for I think all of us. Uh, Nathan, what did you want to say? You wanted to uh, intro us here. Sure. So we want to really push fan interaction with you guys. I think that the four of us really come up with some great ideas to talk about new things and stand out in the show, as well as talk about some things that would keep you guys interested and continue listening. But at the same time, we want to hear your ideas. So we put out a poll over on Twitter last week about what we should talk about for this discussion. There were four great options. You guys voted, and this is the one that it was actually tied. We ended up thinking that this would be the better of the two that tied. 
Um, so yeah, if you have any recommendations for discussions going in the future, we could potentially talk about your ideas. So feel free to interact with us. Like I said, on Twitter at film code pod, that's where this idea has come from. So I want to make it pretty evident before we go into our list, what happened here. Jeremy is not with us on this episode. So unfortunately we don't have his input, but Nate, uh, myself, I'm Nathan. I was about to say Nathan, um, <laughs> Phoenix, Nick and myself all built out our top 10 movies of the decade, which is 2010 to 2019. We are talking best in our opinion, not favorite, because you can have a movie that you recognize is very, very good, that it's just not one of your favorites. You don't want to rewatch it anytime soon, vice versa. There's a movie that you could absolutely love, but you recognize it's not that great of a film. Um, So we're talking best. And between our three lists, we also have a few honorable mentions. Phoenix did his best to try and mash those three together and try to create a top 10. I'm sure between the three of us, some are going to get left off, but that's okay. That's why we're doing this. That's the beauty of this list. But I think the important thing to take away before we dive into this list is we haven't seen everything, guys. And even the ones we have seen, it's been a long while. I know that I saw The Social Network probably seven years ago, and I haven't seen it since. So I, I can't put that on my list. I haven't seen it in seven years. There's great films that the three of us just have not gotten to, and we're sorry about that, but it's not going to appear on our list because we haven't seen it. So before I get into it, I want to run through a few stats. So I told you guys pre-show, there's only one movie that all three we all three have on our list. Which is just crazy. One. Yeah, we only have one movie in common. Uh, there are three movies that myself and Nate have in common and there are five movies that Nate and Nick have in common. Oh, I knew oh. it. Let's <laughs> right. Never so, saw that coming. Right. No. Nope. So right now, if I were taking those, we would have nine movies for our top ten, which means we still have one spot open. Uh which is why Jeremy would have been so incredibly helpful. But we also have twenty five movies uh that only garnered the one vote from each of our lists so we get to fill in our top 10 with one of those uh and before i let you guys know which ones everybody shares i think we can figure that out pretty soon uh i'm gonna start with my honorable mentions uh i told these guys earlier uh trying to get this top 10 was stressful because i love every single one of the movies on this list but i have I believe six, let me double check. I have five, five movies in my honorable mentions, uh, kicking off with 2012's The Avengers, followed by David O. Russell's Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, (laughs) I love Nate's face. Uh, It's gonna get worse, Nate. Uh, (laughs) I also have here Jennifer Lee and uh, Christopher, I can't remember his last name. the original Frozen is also on my list. And what else? 2017's Baby Driver, which I like, killed me to leave that off. And 2018's, the only documentary that I think uh, made it on anybody's list, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. So uh, those were my honorable mentions. 
Go ahead, Nick. What you're, you act, say? you're acting cultured by putting "Won't you be my neighbor?" But I love that. You put "Frozen," so I, I love "Frozen." <laughs> are, you, are you are you in the 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 crowd of people who agree with Toy Story three and up being nominated for Best Picture? Are you in that crowd? I would have nominated. I would have nominated Toy Story three for Best Picture. I don't think I would have nominated Toy Story. Up. Worst Toy Story. Wow. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll save all that for the for the Oscar <laughs> talks. Yeah. So those were my honorable mentions. Nick, what were your honorable mentions? So I actually had to look it up. You're putting me on the spot. Ooh, too quick. <laughs> um, so my honorable mentions are, I only had three. Um, so we have Arrival, um, Captain America Civil War, um, Fast Five, and I'll throw an extra one on there. Um, the winter soldier so mm-hmm. those are those are four um but i guess those are my favorites so oh well <laughs> absolutely love fast five i can't believe i forgot to to put that anywhere but um i my honorable mentions it absolutely kills me to leave some of these off because uh, be you guys you guys know that these are just some movies i absolutely love but Trying to pick the best, not the favorites. Um, nope. So my honorable mention starts with The Hateful Eight. It's a movie I absolutely wow. love, uh, wow. but I just didn't fit in my list of best. American Hustle. Mm. So when you said David O. Russell, that's where I thought you were going. But um, American Hustle for me. 2019's Joker. I think wow. that was number two on my 2019 list. The number one will appear on my top ten. Um, Django Unchained. I'm a huge Tarantino fan. If you didn't already know that, Django is a great movie. Um, one that I'm surprised neither one of you guys said is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Great film. Great conclusion to the Harry Potter franchise. And um, and The Lobster. Uh, Lobsters on Netflix. Colin Farrell's fantastic. Um, just a great movie that you really should look up everything about it and the little metaphors and everything afterwards. And you'll just have a way more appreciative uh, narrative of that film. But those Those are a lot of, a lot of good honorable mentions, a lot of good movies that uh, did not, or may still have a chance at least to make the cut. Uh, Let's start with our number tens. What was the 10th movie that you chose? For your uh, for your list, Nathan. My tenth was Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, I think when you look at at it as this was the last film that Nick and I watched together that wasn't in the theaters actually before all this COVID stuff happened. But bro, that's crazy. <laughs> when you look at Scott Pilgrim, I think that this was the first real movie that was a big hit with like just absolute what the hell was that comedy uh you know deadpool comes after it and even like birds of prey is similar but with what michael Sarah does and i know you talked about rupert grint falling off the map michael Sarah is like where the hell is that guy but um this is just absolutely hilarious obviously the story is not good it's pretty unrealistic and pretty dumb but you talked about earlier um, a movie party bringing a movie. This is a movie that I think 
like everyone our age would love and just laughs their ass off. So for me, that's, that's number 10. All right, Nick, what'd you pick for number 10? Well, I go into it. I have that. My AirPods just came. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so yeah. There we go. Um, I'll pick back up. Um, so American Hustle was one of those movies that Nathan and I watched really late at night and we just didn't appreciate it um, fully and it has an amazing cast and we rewatched it. Did we? Re- yeah, we rewatched it together mm-hmm. and we just absolutely both loved it. Um, this movie is so underrated. Christian Bale, Jeremy oh. Renner, Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence, Amy Adams, like how can you get a better cast than that? It's it's this movie's just so underrated and it is one of the best movies of, of the twenty tens, even though it's one of my favorites. I I I have not seen American Hustle, so I can't comment on it. Uh but Christian Bale is in it, so I'm stop, sure. It's stop, 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 <laughs> stop, 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 stop. Oh man, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll hate it. I know. I know. It's on my watch list. I will check it out. I'm almost positive that I will hate it though. Uh, So uh, my number ten is a movie from 2013, directed by Spike Jones. It is Her, starring Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Are you serious right now? Oh my God! They're both mad at me. Are you kidding me? Her is fantastic. It's literally one of the most gorgeous movies ever. (laughs) Nick Nick and I have some Nick and I have some hot takes for sure. We we talked about (laughs) Lost in Translation last week. Uh, We definitely have some takes that we're like twins where we completely (laughs) see eye to eye on these takes. This is one that we twin on for sure. uh, Her the first time we watched it was the all the wrong experiences but this is your pick you you go yeah. ahead and talk about it i'm sorry uh i don't know what's wrong with you guys i guess you don't uh you know love love or whatever <laughs> but uh no her was fantastic like her was the first movie i'd ever seen by joaquin phoenix uh so it was it was to me it was like this was a, a guy who i was like thoroughly impressed with incredible acting uh, even Scarlett Johansson, who just is literally just her voice in the movie, is impressive at that. And the the story, the concept of the story, I think is very unique. It's very futurist. It's something I would like to see. I know some people have issues with the ending, but uh, I actually thought that ending was sort of bittersweet. I dug it. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what world you guys are living in. Hers uh, like one of the most celebrated films of all time but uh that's my number 10 <laughs> all right so, so uh are you saying like our combined now or are we moving on to nine uh, moving on to nine all right so my number nine is drive with ryan gosling this is a this is amazing I mean, this is just an experience i don't really want to say too much about it um if you haven't seen Oscar Isaac in anything but Star Wars, please watch this first like <laughs> before you see Inside Lewin Davis or before you see anything else. Like, If you only know Oscar Isaac from Star Wars, 
stop what you're doing and watch this film now because Oscar Isaac steals the show. Um, look, this is, I, I love everything about this movie from pacing, from anxiety, just great action, a, a, a very likable character that doesn't even have a name in the lead role. Love drive. Um, so my number nine, it's going to come as, as a shocker. Um, it gets way too much hate. Um, came out last year. It's Cat. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I can't believe you did it. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, so this is my real number nine. Has one of my favorite scenes in a movie ever. Um, it's so emotional. It's just such a a big a big gut punch. And with my favorite actor, it has to be on this list. Call me by your name. I know Nathan. Oh. Didn't like it. Oh. I never oh. didn't like it. I didn't not like it. I didn't Wait. like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I'm sorry. That movie is gross. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. You are towing a dangerous line. That movie's gross. I'm sorry. You are towing a very dangerous you line. You don't understand love, sir. <laughs> yeah, you, you support, you support you falling can... in love with AI. <laughs> don't talk about love, sir. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Nick, Nick take Whatever. it away. But no, this this movie's fantastic. Um, Timothy Chalamet. I actually saw um, Darkest Hour, which Gary Oldman won Best Actor for that year. Timothy Chalamet robbed. Um, um, Michael Staunt. I forget his name. Michael, the dad. He was fantastic. So underrated. Um, just a fantastic movie. That's all I can say. All I can say. All right. Take it away, Phoenix. Yeah, this will be. This is gonna be so much fun. All right, so uh, coming in at my number nine is uh, fairly recent. Comes from 2019, and it is your 2019 or 2020. I don't know. However, they do it. Best Picture winner, and it is Parasite. Number nine. Uh, I like Bong Joon Ho. Kills it. This is his best film. Probably up there with Memories of Murder. Uh, I, I love everything about it. Direction, writing. I love the fact that I was sitting in the theater for an hour until I was like, hey, what the hell is this movie about? And <laughs> and it's at that moment that they go down in the basement. So like, if you haven't seen Parasite, I don't know what the hell is wrong with you. It's on Hulu. Watch this movie. It's one of the best freaking movies of the year, like without, without a doubt. One of the few times where I can say the Oscars got the best picture right. We're moving on to number eight. Yeah. Um, number eight is Whiplash for me. Um, this is a film that I was not ridiculously high on um, immediately after watching it. So let me let me rephrase that. There is a culture that expects you to give Whiplash five stars immediately after, and I felt really bad that I didn't. I gave it four and a half, which is still an incredible score. I loved it. I really enjoyed the film, but it wasn't quite five stars for me. And I felt like guilty that I didn't give it five stars because of that. 
just aura it has around it. I even messaged Phoenix and said, did you give it five stars? And he was like, <laughs> of course I did. And I was like, well, I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. This is a film that literally I have not been able to stop thinking about. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like I gave drive an A plus, which was my number nine. I gave whiplash an A, but I haven't been able to stop thinking about this. And you take a concept such as competitive jazz drumming, which doesn't sound interesting at all in the slightest. I was a band kid and that still doesn't sound interesting to me. (laughs) And they make it tense and real with real stakes. And they just find Damien Chazelle and, and the writing team just finds different ways to keep you engaged in a subject that like almost no one cares about. You take J.K. Simmons and that incredible performance. I have not been able to stop thinking about Whiplash. It's probably five stars the next time I watch it. That comes in at number eight for me. Uh, Nick, what do you got? All right, so number eight is Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows Part 2. So you mentioned it. So, Let's go! I'm going to expose Nathan here. I had to force <laughs> not for <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm not exposing him. This this man hadn't seen Harry Potter till last December. So I had I had to I had to make him so we watched all these together. Um The Deathly Hollows is a perfect example of that movie that for me is a four and a half stars, ninety nine percent, except it does one thing wrong and that was just how they killed Voldemort. There could have been such a better way to go about that. There's so many videos online about Harry Potter, what could have been done in the movies versus what's been done in the book. And I totally agree with, with everything that could have been changed with, with that. Um, for something that was building up for eight movies to be handled that way, um, I think it's injustice. But <laughs> Harry Potter, uh, Deathly Hallows is a fantastic way to end the the Harry Potter um not only is it my favorite movie of the series but it's one of my favorite movies of all time as it's on this list all right so my eighth pick is another best picture winner uh another one that I absolutely agreed with uh although I would have preferred another movie this year too but uh Coming in at number eight is Birdman and the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, starring Michael Keaton. Nick, you're, you're, I don't understand what's wrong with your life. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, Michael Keaton as Birdman, I think he was fantastic in, in this movie. Uh, honestly, my only complaint about this movie is Emma Stone. I feel like she was just weird in this movie, like just awkwardly placed. I'm not sure I would have made that casting choice. But uh other than that, like everything about this movie is awesome. Like the one shot take, I think is great. Um, I love the fact that like Michael Keaton's kind of sort of playing off of the fact that he was also Batman and, uh, and like he's pretty much hasn't been at that caliber since then. So I just thought it was a perfect vehicle for, for him. And uh, I just, I, I adored this movie and everything they did with uh, dealing with subconscious and like, you know, inner and outer self and dealing with this proposed uh, self that you have that everybody else tries to live up to or try to get in, involved in. So that's, I dug, I dug that movie a lot. That's my number eight. 
I don't think Film Code can go an episode without mentioning Batman. So thank you for continuing the streak. <laughs> um, right. You know, um, moving on to number seven. Uh, number seven is A Star is Born for me. And to be honest with you, this is pretty low considering this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm a huge defender of this movie. Um, this, to be honest with you, there's a lot of reasons why I'm super passionate about film and I love movies, but this is the movie that got me into movies. Um, wow. Yes. I saw this. I was blown away. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed to say I cried during this. This was incredible. I know it's a remake. That's what holds it back for me on this best list. Some of the movies that I'm, I have ahead of this, um, our original ideas did something unique and different. So because this is a remake, um, actually like the fourth remake, that's why it's bumped down a little bit on the best list. But this is my second favorite movie of all time. Love everything about this film. Um, yeah, Star is Born is number seven for me. Yeah, um, so my, pri- my number seven, I literally just said it, um, is Prisoners by Denis Villeneuve, directed by. Um, Denis Villeneuve is one of those directors that I watched early quarantine, um, just binged all his movies. It was hard to get through the French ones, but um, this one I think is, you know, his best work. Um, I know Blade Runner 2049 is up there, um, and as well as Arrival, which I mentioned earlier. Um, but I think just the way that he handles this whole aura about this movie, Jake Gyllenhaal's fantastic, Hugh Jackman's fantastic, um, everything to deal with this movie, this, the scenes, the, you know, everything to deal with the maze, how everything's so interconnected, how each character has their own kind of downfalls and pitfalls throughout the film. Um, it's just a... a my number seven is a movie from 2017, uh, debut director. And of course, I shouldn't say I have to say of course, but uh, it's Get Out. Jordan uh, Peele's Get Out, I think, is probably one of the best uh, perennial prestige horror movies of, of this decade. Uh, standout movie, absolutely standout movie. Uh, Jordan Peele knocked it out of the park. Get out, like it's social commentary, racial commentary uh, is fantastic. And then it's buried under this really unique uh, body snatcher uh, horror movie. So I, I dig it. And uh, Daniel Kalu is fantastic in it. The girl, I forget her name, uh, who plays his girlfriend is also super good. And I feel bad for her because I don't think she's been able to get anything, any other major role because everyone is like, remembers her from this movie. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you're pure evil. So like, <laughs> so like, but uh, other than that, man, I love this movie. Get Out's fantastic. Number six, we're moving on. Number six for me is a film that I was convinced was going to win Best Picture. I was convinced. And this is my best movie of 2019 um, that I didn't even see in the year 2019 based on its release date. That's going to be 1917. Um, What they were able to do with the one shot 
is incredible. I know that obviously like they didn't all film it at one time. That's up for debate, whatever it is. When you watch the film, it's a clear one shot. Some of the things that they were able to do with just such a basic storyline is ridiculous. So my number six is La La Land. Oh my god. Phoenix is absolutely <laughs> driving us crazy. Oh my god. Okay, go ahead. I mean, let's keep in mind here, Phoenix, that I'm I went went on the wrong way and did favorites instead of best. Well he also he doesn't like that it's too humans falling in love he wants it to be human and ai he supports <laughs> that more than he supports real love well then i think i should get rid of like three of the movies that i'm about to talk about <laughs> later because they all have a love story in them but anyway wawa land ryan gosling emma stone it's crazy that damien chazelle took such a small and minute a niche of a genre in jazz and was able to make Whiplash and Wild Land two completely different stories. Um, Nathan and I talked about this movie when it first came out or when we first saw it about how they strayed away from the Hollywood cliche of how everyone ends up together and that was honestly the best move for this movie because otherwise it could have gotten lost in the rubble of all the the other movies of this same type. Yeah, you guys are going to disagree with my pick at number six. Uh, I went with Toy Story 3. I oh thought, uh... All right, cool. <laughs> oh my God. I'm leaving. No. <laughs> hey guys. The fact that you put that above Get Out. Oh my God. <laughs> the best of the franchise. Uh, it's the most emotional movie. No, and, uh... No. And I, I love it. I, I still adore that movie to this day. It's the only five-star animation movie that I have listed on my letterbox. Uh, yeah, Toy Story 3. Uh, your childhood thanks you. <laughs> no, no. I'm not even, I, I, I'm not even, not even comment on that. that. Nope. We're rolling into the top five. Um, my number five is one that I'm, absolutely positive will appear on this list again and someone else's list but uh, my number five is christopher nolan's inception this is just a magnificent thing when you're talking about storytelling when you're talking about brilliance of an idea um i'm a huge defender of christopher nolan and his genius works but when you look at like interstellar and even the renditions of Batman and The Prestige, which is another film that I love, none of it comes close to the genius that is Inception, what he was able to do. And the fact that like someone actually thought that this was a movie and then not only thought that it was a movie, but made it and made it very well is just incredible. I've only seen it once. That's enough for me to put it on this list. I need to see it like eight more times before I can completely understand all of it. Um, this film was fantastic. I, I just can't get over the brilliance that Nolan had while creating this film. So Inception is, is number five for me. Breaking into my number five, I'm pretty sure this is going to be 
on some other people's list is Avengers Infinity War. Um, Phoenix, can I like can I remove you from the group? <laughs> like, is there any way I can I'm, do this? Oh, sorry. Just, okay. Is there like a week? We can no. I I wish I could like hide his video because I don't want to see <laughs> his reaction. Oh my gosh! Um, Nathan will agree with me on on this one. This is a the best MCU movie. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you disagree with this. I can't believe you disagree with Avengers: Infinity War being good. I can't <laughs> of everything you have ever disagreed on. This is the worst one. How? I, I, How? Yeah. How do you not like this movie? I didn't yes, say please. I didn't like it. I didn't Why say I didn't are like you it. laughing it's, so yeah, hard? I, I absolutely oh. love Infinity War. I just, you know, you know. It, it, no, it, I don't know. It doesn't, it, <laughs> no. like, best of the decade? Like, okay, you know, okay, no, not, Phoenix, no. <laughs> let, let, let me say it again. These are my favorites because I read the prompt wrong. But it's going to be on it's going to be on someone's best of the decade here. I'll tell you that right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's going to be. When when Portrait of the Lady on Fire is on yours, that's when we're going to have a real problem. Yeah, that's when that's when Nathan and I are going to hang up and we're going to go. All right, but please, please, let's let's continue, Nick. uh, Best MCU movie the culmination of so many characters um i'm just distracted now that i'm just so afraid that phoenix is just gonna just just whatever i'll keep going great great culmination of of all the mcu characters the way that they balance out everybody is just fantastic great ending um yeah just I just don't have much to say because I just lost all my train of thought from streaming. <laughs> so, but I can't wait for him to name some ass movie that two people have heard of at his number five. Well, it won't be that bad. Uh, at number five, I, I think this is a fairly well-known movie. Uh, I have The Social Network starring Jesse Eisenberg and yeah, I think that that movie speaks to definitely the entirety of, of our decade uh, dealing with social media. And um, yeah, great performances, fantastic performances. Even strangely, Justin Timberlake is really great in this movie. So like, like uh, but yeah, I think top five of the decade, social network. Uh, this is, I, I can't wait to continue getting to the top of this. This is only going to get better. Nathan, what do you have at number four? Number four for me is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It's a movie that, there's another movie that Nick and I talked about watching for a very long time, never got around to. We finally did. We finally did. Phoenix disagrees with this too. I wish I could virtually like (laughs) slap him, but I can't. Um, I want to talk about when you talk about just best performances of all time, which I know is a very, very tall stature, Sam Rockwell in this movie is, is the definition of perfect acting. He's brilliant. He's moving. He is inspiring. 
Um, Sam Rockwell, I fall, I fell in love with him as an actor through this role after even seeing him in several other things. And the story this movie tells is just as good. Um, this is like kind of an indie film. It doesn't have a lot of traction. Not a lot of people know about it. This is absolutely just an incredible movie. Flies under the radar. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri is everything film should be. That comes in at number four for me. All right. Well, my number four, again, I'll have to mention it. I'm mentioning it every time now because <laughs> Phoenix doesn't realize. Favorite, not best because read the prompt wrong. But yeah, I think you'll agree with this one, Little Women. Do you agree? Do you... Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't um, hate that choice. Yes, that's 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 great. This was on the uh, the top four of my my letterbox for the past couple months. Um, before my number one um, displaced it, but I I love this movie. Um, Something that somebody said on on Letterbox was the the different coloring for um, what does the eye roll for? Yeah, they 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 the, they I know the complaint was that they they couldn't tell the difference between the present yeah. and the past because yeah, and, of the yeah, and that was one of my complaints um, the fir- the first time watching it. It took a while to grip, but. Once you see it for that second and third time, you like you get it. You know exactly what's present. You know exactly what is its future. Saoirse Ronan, one of my favorite actresses. Florence Pugh did amazing. Emma Watson did amazing. Laura Dern did amazing. Timothy Chalamet did amazing. Mer- uh, Meryl Streep did amazing. Everybody did amazing. Um, great performances. I know it's a adaptation, um, but it's it's a great adaptation. I haven't seen anything else of, of I, this adaptation. I do wanted to ask, like, have you seen the other versions of Little Women before? No, I haven't, but um, I know you probably don't like the one with Christian Bale in it. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I'm okay. probably not going to like it. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Does he play, if he plays Timothy Laurie. Chalamet's character? Yeah, he plays Lori. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not going to like it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's get to uh, Phoenix's number four. How do I hit the uh, the mute like button, button on my <laughs> my my, uh, my sounds here? Yeah, where are we going with this one? All right. Uh, well, remember when I said that uh, there's one movie that we all have on our list? Uh, this is that movie. Coming in at number four, I have also Christopher Nolan's Inception. Uh, this movie's awesome. <laughs> okay, like, like, I don't think, it goes without saying, dude, when you have Leonardo DiCaprio, Ellen Page, Christopher Nolan in the director's chair, give me six more like this. Like, I swear to God, like, Inception was the most, that was the greatest mind fuck I've ever seen in my life. Uh, fantastic, fantastic movie. Great acting all around. The visuals are like, so impressive. It has me chomping at the bit to watch Tenet. I can't wait to see that. I'm actually going to have to go back and watch Dunkirk because I didn't want to, but now I have to. 
So, so we're at the top three. This is about three. to get serious. What do you got? <laughs> My top three all contain films that have already been said. Um, I'll try to harp on some things that I think are really important because obviously um, these films are higher on my list than they are any of these guys. But my number three is La La Land. I'm not even going to look over at Phoenix's screen <laughs> because I know he has some negative things to say. I'm actually going to cover his face. Um, look, La La Land is absolutely gorgeous. When you talk about the storytelling, when you talk about doing something unique with the characters, think about how many love stories there have been ever think about how many musicals there have been ever i mean when you find a way to separate yourself from a love story and a musical and make those two combine make a soundtrack that people want to listen to that people search and purchase and play all the time. That's incredible. And Nick touched on it earlier. My favorite thing about this film is that last 10 minutes. I absolutely love that they didn't go the cliche route. They didn't go the typical route where couple falls in love, get in an ugly fight, get back together, happy ending. Because that happens in almost every love story. They didn't do that. They fell in love, they got in a fight, and they met other people. And that ending is perfect. I love it. Um, La La Land is not one of my favorite movies at this current point in time. That could change, but it's definitely one of the best of the decade. That's number three for me. All right. Getting into my three spot, and this is the last remaining movie that has not been talked about and probably will not be talked about because it is one of the most underrated movies of the 2010s, and it is About Time with Domhnall Gleeson, Rachel McAdams, and Margot Robbie, which her character is kind of in there. Um, yeah, this, this, I'm a sucker for time travel movies. I have two time travel movies on my favorite films list. Um, I, the way that the time travel ties in it's just so much more about it. It's, it's about life. It's about family. It's about living every moment that you have to the fullest and, and everything it does with that. It's, it's such a beautiful scene and story of, uh, about that using time travel and, and all these things. Um, so if, if you've seen it and you don't agree, I definitely recommend you go and check it out again. Um, it's super underrated, and I think it's a fantastic film. I just yeah. want to point out something really, really unique. You know, they, you guys were making fun of me earlier about not loving love, at least not in a traditional way. And here we are at our three picks, our number three pick, and all of us picked a love story for our number three pick. Oh, so no. but, but that but, yeah yeah but, yeah yeah it's happening but yeah it's happening number three portrait of a lady on fire no 100 100 the greatest love story ever done ever the greatest without question some of the best most beautiful shots you'll ever see in your life the most endearing yearning 
you've ever seen. Adele Hanel, Naomi Marlant, two fantastic actresses. Celine Shiamas, that screenplay, I will inject it into my veins any day of the week. There's so many like incredible lines in that movie. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, best movie of 2019, without I, question. I just threw my <laughs> phone across the room when you said that. Uh, is Avengers Infinity War. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you act surprised, but you definitely saw both of our lists before this. So I'm, yeah, like, I'm, like, I'm, like, I just, I'm like, every time you say it, I'm like, wait, really? They did that? Like, <laughs> Look, it might be unpopular to put a comic book movie ahead of really well-made films that are like real with like La La Land 1917, real cinematic movies. To put a comic book movie ahead might be, you know, questionable in some people's minds. But look, the facts are no one has ever put together a combined universe like the MCU has. No one's done it with the amount of movies, the amount of superheroes, the amount of characters, the amount of just shared things, even little things. No one's been able to do that like the MCU has. So when you talk about combining all of your heroes into one movie to fight one villain and his team. That is such a hard task to do. That's so overlooked. I know we're not film writers or anything, but when you look at the cast of this movie and see everyone that needs screen time, it is insane. And I know some people definitely get gypped on screen time. I know Chris Evans, Captain America does not get a whole lot of time. A Black Panther does not get a whole lot of time. I get it. I get that there are some, some things people don't like about this film. But when you talk about masterpieces, this has to be on there. I, this is, was my most anticipated movie I've ever been excited for. Um, I have probably watched the trailer for that movie before it came out over 100 times. I was amped for this movie. We went to see it on an opening night. It was incredible. I fell in love with opening night theaters because of my experience here. And just the way it ended, the balls that they had to, to kill Spider-Man, to kill Black Panther, Doctor Strange, all the Guardians except for one. Um, and just the fact that they left fans with that hole in their stomach, with that hole in their heart for a whole year, I, I would have never thought Disney could do that. Um, Avengers Infinity War gives us a villain in Thanos that only has one movie to establish how great he is. I know he's in post-credit scenes, but that doesn't really count. Um, to establish his dominance, does it to perfection. I love everything about this movie, guys, and it's number two for me. I will agree with you that uh, the, the ending took guts like took real, real guts because I don't think we've ever seen a movie, like especially a superhero movie, ever do that. Where it's like, and we're not gonna give you the, the finished product for another year. So you just have to sit with that loss for an entire year. Is it, that, that is impressive. I don't, I don't know if that would put it in a best of the decade for me, but like that is definitely top notch. We're we're gonna get into the MCU a yeah. little later in a later episode, so I don't want to dive too deep into it. But there's so many little things that this does to, that just separates it, um, and I, I'll be sure to talk about that at a later date. 
My number two, already mentioned by Nathan, A Star is Born. Mm. So this movie was, um, I had heard about this movie, people had talked about this movie, going to see it on opening night, and I really didn't understand the hype. Um, Nathan is is old school, he listens to Pandora still. Um, (laughs) So, but he heard, was it Always Remember Us this way? From that, I think we probably listened to it at least ten times. Um, yeah, it was it was such a unique car. story because we didn't really yeah. care for the movie to go see. We didn't care to go see the movie um, until, until we, we be, until we became obsessed with the songs. It was really like yeah. reverse what actually happens. Yeah, exactly. So we we just got enthralled by this idea of where the song came from, and and uh, you know we went. I think we saw it like what three times in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we saw it three times in theaters. I think we cried every single time. Um, I think each time it got worse, sadly or surprisingly. Um, but you know, Nathan Nathan's mentioned it a lot. For I always give give a hand to to people who transition from different industries, whether that be from movies to music or music to movies, and for Lady Gaga to be able to be in a lead role as this, and you know, have her voice kind of carried away but also have a a great performance as Allie and you know Bradley Cooper and his directorial debut to have this fantastic film um I think everything's right um so number two uh is a movie that we did mention once before I obviously have it a little bit higher than uh Nate does and that is Whiplash I uh absolutely adored Miles Teller and uh, J.K. Simmons, their chemistry throughout this movie. And man, like, I'm not a fan of uh, Damien Chazelle's second effort, but uh, he killed it here. Like, this was this was impressive. Like, this was just impressive filmmaking. It was an impressive story, especially because I think, Nick, you said, like, this is not something that most people even know about. So, like, the fact that he was able to take such a small isolated story and create this like massive like tension heavy film. I dug it and I, I, I dig it to this day. Rushing or dragging. Rushing. So you do know the difference. If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will fuck you like a pig. Now are you a rusher or are you a dragger? Or are you gonna be on my fucking time? I dig it to this day. This is my uh, the only movie I felt could have toppled Word Man for Best Picture and kind of still should have uh, is Whiplash. So right. we've arrived at the number one spot. Uh, how different this shall be. 
It's Go ahead, that, mate. It's it's that time. Number one, guys, this is a huge deal. We put a lot of thought into these rankings. Um, Phoenix and I were doing best. Nick was doing favorites. No matter what the case is, no matter if you disagree, we put a lot of thought into this. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, for me, my number one film of the decade, um, 2017's The Emoji Movie. I just think that no, I can't. I can't even do this without laughing. Uh, no, in all seriousness, um, I have seen the Emoji movie. I actually didn't think it was like that that bad, but okay. Regardless, um, look, this movie's been mentioned already, but the way that this movie impacted my viewing experience. Talk about changing my perspective on filmmaking as a whole um talking about just what you're able to do in a film and all the different ways of interpreting things and subtly putting things in um no film has impacted me quite like 2017's get out has um i watched this with my girlfriend back at school and around the new year turn of the new year and I can't believe, like, I hadn't seen this earlier. Um, it's technically a horror film. It's really not even that much of a horror film. Phoenix mentioned it earlier. It's got everything. It's, it's funny. It's got social commentary um, about race, about gender, about, you know, judging people without actually getting to know them. It's, it's everything. And if you don't necessarily, if you've seen this film and you don't necessarily love it or you were expecting it to be more horror than it was, I beg you to please look at what it's saying, subtly saying from its metaphors, from its hidden messaging, because this is a film that really does it all. And Phoenix, you said it earlier, like Jordan Peele, the way that he's able to subtly tell things without actually saying it is yeah. just incredible. This was an experience that I'll never forget. Um, the fact that this is Jordan Peele's first ever movie is just insane. I mean, this is the guy that we were watching on YouTube 10 years ago, laughing our ass off. And then he goes and makes this film. I am just, I was blown away, guys. Um, please watch this film again. If you're not that high on it, please look at everything it has to offer. And man, this was an experience. I am not afraid or ashamed to say that this is, honest to God, one of the best movies I have ever seen in my entire life. So um, my best movie of the entire decade is Get Out. Awesome. Well, my favorite movie of the decade um, has already been mentioned twice by Phoenix and, and Nathan Inception. Um, I think the, you know, and, and both of you guys have touched on it, so I'll, you know, not harp as much, but Christopher Nolan, best filmmaker of our time, um, my favorite director, and I'm super excited for Tenant, especially with, with everything going on with, with Robert Pattinson. I believe saying that he didn't vaguely understand the, the plot of it halfway through filming. Um and, you know, with, with Nathan and I's trailer lockout, we don't watch trailers. Um, 
for those of you just joining in on on this third episode we do not watch trailers because they spoil too much in these day and age so with with our trailer lockout super excited about pennant but inception is is wickedly smartly crafted there's no way any other person other than christopher nolan could have made this film the way that everything kind of ties in together with the dreams and the deeper you go it's just he thought of everything there there must have been a meeting during the the creative process of this movie where somebody just asked him questions okay what about this what about that what about this what about that what about this what about that and he had an answer for everything and it showed in the film because he was prepared for his guns to to roll this movie out leonardo dicaprio fantastic joseph gordon levitt i love tom hardy i love everybody in this movie is fantastic um and just just the last hour of it in the in the dreams it's just the way that the music is is telling the the anticipation letting you know how you should feel throughout this whole movie it's it's great i recently watched it for the second time with my girlfriend and like Nathan mentioned earlier, it's one of those movies that you have to watch multiple, multiple, multiple times to fully understand it. And I think it's my favorite, but it's also the best film of the decade. All right, I'm going to give Absolutely fantastic. Um, so that brings us to my number one. And I gotta say, I'm a little shocked that this movie did not appear on either list um that you guys made uh yet you know whatever but uh it is uh, as far as i'm concerned not just the best film of the decade uh but the best best picture winner of the decade i am going with barry jenkins moonlight uh moonlight is by far one of the most quintessential films I think of the past 10 years, uh, what it what it does for uh, black homosexuality. I think it's a transformational film. I love the fact that he takes, uh, he walks us through uh, this character's life in three different stages. And we just get to understand how, how masculinity uh, transforms us at different parts of our lives and the people that we let into our lives people that we are forced to deal with. Again, when it comes to Barry Jenkins, no one colors a film like Barry. I mean, this is one of the most gorgeous looking films you'll you'll ever see. Uh, Moonlight, fantastic. Again, excellent cast. Jarrell Jerome, Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris, who's, oh, so good. Um, best movie, best movie of the decade. was the one for me because uh, I remember that the at the Oscars when they called La La Land as the winner but it was actually Moonlight I had turned off my TV like immediately after they had 
announced La La Land. I was like, that's BS. Like, there's no way it's better than Moonlight. Get out of here. That's why and, you hate it. And I was like, and like, and that's I was, why he doesn't hate it. <laughs> and like, like, like in truth, and I, and here's the crazy part. At that point in time, I hadn't seen either movie. I just, I just looked at Moonlight. Like, there's a scene in Moonlight where Mahershala Ali is uh, carrying Blue in the water, and it's just brilliantly shot. And it's like, like it's one of those things where it's like, if I knew someone who painted movie scenes for a living, like I'd want that on my wall. It's just a beautiful shot. And I literally just had that, and then I had the scene of uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling dancing in the street. And I was like, if I looked at both of these, there's no way, if I'm an Academy voter, there's no way I'm looking at this and going, yeah, give me, give me La La Land. I'm like, no, nah, that's crazy. So I turned off my TV. I ran upstairs. I got on Facebook. I started bitching. And then like two seconds later, somebody was like, dude, they just reannounced it. Like, no, like Moonlight won. I was like, oh, okay. So that was like, for me, it was like, now I have to start paying attention to films because I, I caught that without having seen either movie. So I was like, I think I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> So, yeah, um, that's our top 10 of the decade, whether it's best or favorite. We gave you a handful of movies with our honorable mentions that um, should be enough. Uh, just to review one last time, Phoenix's best movie of the decade is Moonlight. My best movie of the decade is Get Out. Nick's favorite movie of the decade <laughs> is Inception. Um, this was Inbound. a really... This was a really long segment. If you <laughs> stuck with us the whole way, we really appreciate it. Um, but this was fun. Like, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this podcast is to talk about a variety of films and get your opinions as well. So if you're still with us here on this decade segment, head on over to our Twitter at film code pod. Let us know your top 10 of the decade. If 10 is too many for you, do five, do three, you know, let us know what you're do thinking. One. Yeah, let us know because... You are now the most anticipated segment <laughs> of the night. The film code. So if you did not listen last week or if you just skipped ahead for this segment, the film code... We give a code word each week with a couple of clues. Everybody who did not pick the code word guesses the movie. Sends us on a wild goose chase, sometimes researching for hours. A movie just to get it right. Nobody has gotten it right today. I will be be interested to see if somebody gets it right. Only two guesses without Jeremy here. So just to the the refresh. The guys here, before we get into it and refresh all you guys out there, the code word for last week was war. It came out between 2013 and 2018. The winner of Sexiest Man Alive was featured in this film, and they were also in the MCU or the X-Men franchise. So pre-show, Nathan was pretty excited about his choice and which leads me to choose phoenix to go first all right so um i feel like i got like i always do this 
I I get like the clues right, but then I'm <laughs> I like mess up the the code word. So like I was hoping that when you said war, you were you were talking like maybe like an internal war, maybe a meta metaphysical war, like not like a like an actual like you know war. So uh, with that, I found a movie that was between 2013 and 2018 that starred uh, someone who had won Sexiest Man Alive and who has been featured in multiple MCU movies. Uh, that person was Idris Elba. And the movie I'm thinking of uh, also stars Jessica Chastain. It is Molly's Game. Uh, wow. So Molly's Game, like main reason I chose this was it was the only one of the movies, it's on my movies I haven't seen yet list. So it was the only one that fit those criteria. But again, like I was hoping for like maybe, maybe she was a secret spy or something and she was going to war. I have no idea. I didn't know anything about the movie before I watched it. It turns out it's about a poker game. It's like, it's like okay, well, this is definitely not it. But, <laughs> but I got to see it. Um, Jessica Chastain is fantastic. Like, she's a really good actress. Uh, Idris Elba in this is solid. I mean, he doesn't have much to do, but he's, he's solid. <laughs> you know, he, he, he does what he can. Uh, standout is actually Michael Keaton, who's in this as well. Plays her father. Does a really strong job, but, like, ultimately, it's Jessica Chastain's movie. She's, she carries it uh, to a T. It's not the best movie I've ever seen. It's uh, really kind of quick. It's written by actually a, a writer who I, I enjoy his writing, but I know a lot of people have uh, problems with it because he is, I think Nick, you, uh, Nathan, you said earlier, like when, uh, when people talk really fast, that, oh that's how he writes. God. So it's uh, Aaron Sorkin, he's the writer of this movie. He, he does that a lot where he just like, everyone's witty in his movies. Everyone's witty. And so, um, <laughs> it, it's Kevin Costner, by the way. Kevin Costner, yes. Thank not you. Get, Michael Keaton. I get them mixed up. I don't know why. They look well, exactly well, One's like... talented and one's not. I'm not going to reveal. Um, okay. I need to make it known how much research I put into this. Yes. Okay. And you talked about it pre-show. Yes. So if, I get, it, if I get this wrong, I won't be mad. Like it's fine. This is all for fun. And if, but just know, like, if I get this wrong, I came very damn close. Um, so I have this note section in my phone where I wrote down all the codes, and it's you know 2013 to 2018, the person won sexiest man alive, X Men or MCU, and they are, um, it's a war film. Okay, I really hope Nick didn't trick us on that one. I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> sexiest, sexiest man alive winners that are in the MCU or X-Men. Matt Damon technically is in the MCU. He's in Thor Ragnarok as a complete cameo. I really, really, really hope you did not pick Monuments Men with Matt Damon because that's cheap. Because Matt Damon's <laughs> not in the MCU, even though he's a cameo. That's a cheap shot. I hope you didn't pick Monuments Men. Matt Damon. Hugh Jackman won Sexiest Man of the Year. So did Ryan Reynolds. Blech. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Bradley Cooper. Chris Hemsworth. And Idris Elba. Round out our six of Sexiest Man 
of the year that are featured in the MCU or X-Men. Okay, so Matt Damon was in Monuments Men. I'm going to say you didn't pick that because you're not going to go cheap on me with Matt Damon not really being in Thor Ragnarok. If you're sticking to traditional war, it was interesting what Phoenix said about maybe like mental games or whatever. Um, I didn't interpret it that way. That's the fun of film code, different interpretations. I interpreted it as real war out on the battlefield, you know, stars and stripes, camo, all that good shit. Um, that's how I interpret it. If I'm wrong, like I'm just completely thrown off the stench. Like if you said it's a different type of war, I'm, I'm done. Like it's over <laughs> for me now, but I'm hope it's still there. So Hugh Jackman, Ryan Reynolds weren't in any relevant war films that would have related to that. Um, neither was Chris Hemsworth except for 12 strong, which you told me last week it was not right. yeah. the 12 strong is <laughs> absolute garbage. Thank God it wasn't that. <laughs> So that leaves us with Bradley Cooper and Idris Elba. Um, you told me you hadn't seen it before, so that eliminated War Dogs. Bradley Cooper is an American sniper. You know I love that movie. Um, I don't know. I don't know. You know I love that movie, so I feel like it'd be kind of obvious if you picked that one. I actually um, didn't know that you love that movie. I'm going to go with kind of an underdog pick here. Um, Idris Elba seems like kind of, a lot of people forget he's in the MCU, right? A lot of people forget he is. Um, this was kind of before he became the big name that he is today. He was in a film called Beasts of No Nation. I didn't know anything about this film. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I watched it, good performance, struggled to keep my interest all the time. Um, I went back and forth with this in American Sniper all day long. Um, I'm going to go with American Sniper. Even though I watched <laughs> Beasts of No Nation, I'm going to go with American Sniper. So that's that's my pick for that. All right. Well, winner of Sexiest Man Alive in the MCU or X-Men. So not Matt Damon. Because he was Thank not in the MCU. He t I mean, so. he technically is. I was hoping you didn't pull that on us. And 2013 to 2018. So I was leaning, I was hesitant to give a clue because the man who won Sexiest Man Alive, who I was thinking of, is unlike the other men because he has a future role, which is a pretty famous role if you know what I'm talking about, 007 himself. So it was Idris Alba Films. Sadly, Phoenix was incorrect on the, on the Idris Alba film. Nathan mentioned it, but did not pick it. <laughs> and it was Beasts of No Nations. <laughs> Oh, that's great. This <laughs> is converted to YouTube and you can see. <laughs> oh, man. That's Thank great. Guys. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, you get like a half a point. At least you thought of it. You know, that was great. Yeah. No, I, I watched it. 
I didn't even just think about it. I watched this film. Wow. I just I was ta- I was jostling back and forth. Um, I don't know, like mm-hmm. ah, fuck, I had it. I had it. <laughs> um, you were this close. You were the closest any of us has been. I had it in the bag before the show. I, I decided I had it at Beasts of No Nation all day. I had it in the wow. bag. I switched to American Sniper right before the show. It was, it was good. I mean, I, look, I, I, I didn't pick it. Um, that's okay. I watched the film. It was really fun doing the research. I think you gave just the right amount of clues to like get us there, but not give it away. Um, I thought that was really good. So that was a lot of fun. Um, can't believe I was that close and pulled out last minute. But regardless... <laughs> That's a wrap on episode three, guys. This was a big episode. We talked about a lot. Um, man, talking about Lovebirds seems like it was forever ago. Uh, for us for us recording without edits or anything, that was close to two and a half hours ago. Um, but regardless, we talked Lovebirds. We talked Extraction. Gave you some recommendations. Best movies of the decade, as well as our film code. If you keep up with us on social media, we'll give you the clues for next week's film code. Have you play along if you'd like. You got a chance to get shouted out on this podcast. Um, I've mentioned it a few times throughout this episode, but please stay involved with us, guys. Your involvement really means a lot. We love doing this, but we can only continue to do this if we know you're listening and know you enjoy this. So wherever you're listening, um, even just sending a simple message of saying you enjoyed this podcast and you want to hear more uh, goes a long way for us as far as knowing what to continue and putting new ideas together. You can find us on Facebook film code podcast. We're also on captivate. You can read a little bit more about us as hosts. Um, We're on Spotify streaming on Spotify. We're soon to be on YouTube and Apple podcasts also on anchor. If you're in an area of the world where Spotify maybe doesn't work for you. Um, yeah, we are also on Twitter at Film Code Pod. That's probably the biggest social media platform we are on right now. Um, about me, my name's Nathan Pig. You can follow me on Twitter at NathanPig5 or on Letterboxd at NathanPig. Feel free to interact with me on anything I do. Love to talk to you guys and just want to thank you so much for checking us out on episode three. If you haven't, check out our first two episodes. Um, a lot of great content there as well. And If you have checked out all three of our episodes, looking forward for you uh, checking out episode four. Definitely. Yeah, definitely a a longer episode today, but if you've stuck around, thanks for for sticking around through Phoenix's uh, hot takes (laughs) on on his top ten. But you can find me on Waterbox and Nick Spain. um, And yeah, thanks for listening. And Phoenix, take it away. Right. All right. And you guys can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one. Uh, you can also find me on Letterboxd under PA Cloudin. And uh, once again, follow us on social media. Check out uh, all the extra content that we're putting out on uh, Twitter. We're also going to be starting up our YouTube channel within the next few days. So check that out. And uh, we really appreciate you guys spending time with us. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. It's been Film Code, and we are out. Peace.